Welcome to the Health Podcast, where we talk about everything health, lifestyle and performance, amongst other things from the world of endurance sports, with me, your host, Coach Morg. Welcome to episode four of the Help Podcast, the Health, Lifestyle and Performance Podcast from me, Morgan Williams, or Coach Morg. Um, going out live to our tribe members uh, on Facebook, where this is recorded, so this is recorded live. Um, got a few of them watching now. Um, again, they'll, some, most of them will watch it back um, with it being on our uh, exclusive Facebook group. Um, that's one advantage of being a member of our tribe, is that you get to uh, see this recorded live, uh, warts and all. Uh, technical issues, all that kind of stuff. Um, but even to be fair, we're not really going to sort of polish it before we put it out onto the wider podcast world. For um, for me, I like it to be, you know, this is who I am. Let's just get it out there. Let's talk openly, honestly. And if there's a few technical glitches and things like that, then absolutely fine. Uh, I have no problem with that. Um, I, I don't think it's... Uh, I'm not the kind of person who likes to uh, try and polish everything up so everything's perfect because um, simply life isn't that way. Um, and talking of which, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, COVID-19, um, mainly around the, a little bit of an update from us, what we've been up to. I know the tribe members watching this probably know a lot of this already, um, but um, there might be some stuff in there that you're not aware of. Um, so an update from our perspective, what we're doing, um, also how we're sort of like um, doing our training, how we're sort of like using this period of time, uh, but also an update a little bit about um, our venue, the Blue Lagoon, uh, where we run our open water swimming. So if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, don't know that much about us, we, as well as our uh, Evolve Endurance uh, coaching business, we also run the Blue Lagoonas Open Water Swimming and Triathlon Club uh, in a little place called Womersley, which is in the very centre of Yorkshire, a little place called Mid-Yorkshire, um, actually technically North Yorkshire, it's the little bit of North Yorkshire that drops down between South uh, sorry, between East and West Yorkshire and touches South Yorkshire, so we're just slightly in that point. Um, so even though we're a Doncaster postcode, we're actually technically in North Yorkshire. Um, so um, we're going to give you a little bit of, we'll chat a little bit about that at the start as well. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about training intensity. Now, it's an interesting time um, to be talking about that. Um, as a coach, quite a lot of my observations um, of what's going on at the moment during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic is quite surprising of how some people are training um, and um, you know um, I'll give you my opinion but I'm just going to float some ideas around obviously how you train is entirely up to you I'm not here to dictate that um, but might just sort of spark a little bit of thing to get you thinking about how much intensity you're putting in there um, in your training at the moment in time. So uh, let's get going. Um, first thing, let's have a little bit of an update. So let's talk about um, the Blue Lagunas Triathlon and Water Swimming Club. Now, there's been a big shift in the government's um, um, advice regarding exercise and what we can and can't do. So um, obviously, at the moment, um, there's a big buzz around uh, social media, and my phone has been ringing off the hook. We're getting constant stream of emails all day long saying. The government say we can go up and walk swimming when you open. Um, now, I wish it was as simple as that. I wish it was simple as just going back to normal, opening the gates and uh, letting everybody flood in and have a fantastic time as we normally do this time of year. 
in the Blue Lagoon. Um, but it doesn't really, sadly, it's not like that. We've got to really, really make sure that we're, um, um, you know, changing things so that we can adhere to things, the ongoing social distancing rules and things like that. So now we're very, very fortunate that the venue is a nice wide open space. Uh, we've got lots of room. We're very, very fortunate that Martin and Sharon, our friends who um, who own the Blue Lagoon and live on site, um, are very, very supportive of what we do um, and vice versa. You know, we uh, very much uh, look after each other. Um, but one of the sort of key elements is that obviously they do live on site. Uh, they run, they have their dive business there, um, which currently isn't open. Um, whereas um, the, um, uh, you know, if we were to open, we've got to be mindful that not only is their part of the business not running, uh, but also um, the fact that they're it's their home. You know, I've always uh, said, anyone who's heard one of my speeches after one of our events or one of our uh, social evenings, I always give Martin and Sharon a huge thank you for ultimately letting us play in their back garden, which is what it is. Um, so, um, like I said, we've had a deluge of emails, texts, messages, all this kind of stuff, saying when you open, um, and we can't put it. And I did a video update the other day. You might have seen it on our uh, on our uh, social media feeds. Uh, we can't say uh, at the moment in time. One of the key things we are doing, though, and something we've been doing since the start of this um, pandemic, is actually looking at and discussing how when we are to open, how that will work. Um, again, because of the social distancing measures that are still in place and the risk out there of COVID-19, we're very, very keen to uh, do things a little bit differently. Um, we are well known for our uh, the levels we go to on safety, um, even even in a normal circumstance. You know, we always have a, um, a crew of um, safety paddles on the water. We've invested a lot of time and effort in um, uh, training those um, part members of our crew. Uh, we obviously invested a lot of money in uh, equipment. You know, we've uh, a rescue rib, and we also have a jet ski with a sled on the back. So you know, those kind of things. Um, uh, we we now have a defibrillator, which was uh, kindly donated to us. Um, so we're very very keen to do things right. We always have been, and you know, to go the extra mile, way beyond you know um, our governing bodies' uh, recommendations. Um, um, you know. One of the reasons where why uh, uh, during the summer we quite often, um, on behalf of British Triathlon, uh, run workshops for other venue operators and coaches to come and learn about how we coach and um, organise um, open water swim training. Um, so we've got that reputation for safety. We're not going to let that slip by suddenly just... Um, opening the gates and let everybody flood in. So there's going to be a few changes to way, how the way we operate. Um, and the moment we've been planning for a long time now, what we're actually in the process now is really, really refining how that will actually work. And we're working very closely with Martin and Sharon to make sure that we don't impact on them. Um, and they're more than, they're happy or more than happy of the way we're uh, going to run things. One thing will be certain, it will be a big free for all. It'll be very, very sort of controlled in the, in the first instance. Um, very sort of small um, groups of people. Uh, now, one of the key things is um, we've got a fantastic, wonderful group of members. Uh, we've got members, people who are members of the Blue Lagunas, and we've also got um, our wonderful tribe members who are possibly listening to this live on Facebook. Um, now, um, you know, those are the people who are our regular customers. They've supported us through this, and very, very sort of. We must say a big, big thank you to everyone who's continued to support us, whether that's through being a member of the tribe, you know, uh, renewing their uh, um, 
membership for the Blue Lagoon, um, you know, despite the fact there was a little bit of uncertainty when we were going to be open, or when we're going to be open, should I say, there's still that little bit of uncertainty, um, but have trusted that we're going to do our utmost to make sure they get um, the benefit of um, training at the Blue Lagoon at some point this summer. So, um, you know, we're probably going to start very small with those um, individuals, um, you know, with our, with our key sort of customers, um, before we start expanding things and growing it very, very slowly as we see how things pan out, how we manage things, growing it um, to the point where hopefully we'll restore some normality um, at some point. But again, I don't think it'll be uh, particularly soon, but we're going to do our utmost to allow people to um, get back to uh, up and walk soon because I know um, a lot of people are keen to do that now. Um, from a perspective, you know, we've got to obviously put a lot of things in place. Um, you know, signage, you know, outbound areas. You know, enforce the uh, social distancing rules. We've got some great ideas on that. Um, obviously, we've got to make sure equipment's sterilised, all that kind of stuff. Um, we've got to make sure our crew stay safe um, during this period and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, ultimately make sure that any of the swimmers who come and join us for a dip. Um, when we're allowed to do so, we'll uh, stay safe as well. So, a bit of a headache at the moment. Um, so, if you are one of the people who's emailed or one of the people who has um, left me a voicemail message or whatever like that, apologies that I might not have been back to you straight away, um, but it has been manic. But our focus has really, really been on um, um, actually uh, you know, putting that plan together and making sure that if we do open or when we do open, that it will be super, super safe and... Um, um, you know, um, but in the same vein, not too much of an onerous task um, to do it. You know, um, and, and you know, and ultimately, we do. People love the Blue Lagoon. It's a beautiful place. Um, and dare I say, I'm not talking about myself here, but the people who come and our crew are beautiful people. And Martin and Sharon, like that. Um, it's a great place. It's it's got a great vibe to it, and we want to keep that vibe to a degree like this. I don't know about you, but um, I'm finding. Um, supermarket shopping particularly stressful at the moment um with all this zigzagging up and down aisles and queuing here and you've got to do this you've got to do that you can't go there you can't do this you know sort of thing and it gets a little bit manic and a little bit stressful and we want to do it in a way that actually you know it can be done sensibly it can be done safely but it's not a stressful um experience for people uh, whether that be for people come for a swim or for ourselves and our crew sort of thing so do please bear with us um we will we are working on it um again i had a bit of a frantic day yesterday um and stuff and uh, i know where uh, um i was uh, um i know beverly picked up on it that I, that I was a little bit stressed just come you know finalizing and, and putting together a working document for that kind of thing so it's kind of yeah Please be patient, and we will uh, give you an update as soon as we can. Um, now, um, obviously, one of the things, moving on slightly, one of the things that um, the government have said is that we can um, actually do more exercise. We can go out as many times as we want, for as long as we want, all that kind of thing. We can go down the park. You know, we can travel to venues and things like that, which is absolutely fabulous. Um, now, again, that's created a little bit of a phenomena which I find quite interesting. Um, and it was something that also sort of happened around, you know, has been going on since the start of the pandemic, is that um, all of a sudden people think this is like an opportunity to train like a pro athlete. You know, I'm furloughed from work or I've, you know, I'm working from home, whatever, like that. You know, I'm going to start training like an elite athlete. I'm going to ramp up the volume. I'm going to start training hard. You know, I'm going to really sort of 
go for it and um, you know start um, really na- nailing some big mileage and things like that. And um, I think it's really really fascinating to see that there are some people doing that. Um, you know that's fine. That's your you know if you want to do like that sort of thing. But I think the interesting thing is that you know people wanted to ramp up the training and you know. You know, the whole go hard, go home sort of scenario, which you know, you know, I certainly don't believe in, um, is you know, it, it's almost like they've got an opportunity to sort of, I wouldn't say, um, might sound a little harsh, but they're almost addicted to exercise, so it's like they've given that opportunity now to go and uh, absolutely uh, start um, nailing a massive amount of training. Now that's fine, you know, if you've got a little bit more extra time, maybe increase a little bit. Um, but I think the, the thing that f- for me is that um, people are suddenly switching their focus over to um, uh, training hard. But you know, the ultimately um, the big risk is they, they sort of com- compromise their immune system because they're suddenly going to ramp up training. Uh, they're going to put a lot more um, stress on the body. So training is a stress like that. You might all you know some people might already be a little bit stressed and anxious already about um, uh, what's going on um, but they're just adding more and more stress so they're adding physical stress on top of mental stress and it's a you know really easy way to sort of com- compromise your health and um, you know I've been very beneficial it's been beneficial for me that you know I've had less you know I've not been moving around as much not been going to different facilities I've been able to you know what I've been able to focus on is and something we talked about last week is being able to improve my sleep quality um, I've been able to focus on my diet a little bit better you know, making sure I'm not eating rubbish, you know, great, you know, the fact that, um, you know, uh, Costa Coffee, dare I say, or people or places like that are open means that um, I'm not tempted to go in and, you know, get a large milky coffee, um, which carries a lot of calories and, or, you know, gets get some, a sweet treat to go with it. So, you know, I, I benefit from that. I've, um, you know, I've dropped best part of a stone during this process because I'm, but not necessarily because I'm training harder. Um, I'm training, you know, I'm getting a tr- chance to train sensibly um, and probably getting a little bit more consistency in my training, but I'm actually um, 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 getting better chance to focus on recovery, sleep, correct diet and things like that. So, um, yeah, I do think um, it's interesting how the government have sort of said, yeah, the shackles are off from an exercise point of view. But what I would personally say is just exercise a little bit of caution on there, you know, Ultimately, um, listening to uh, various stuff around the internet or the podcasts and things like that, and um, updates from uh, like particularly event organisers, there doesn't seem to like there's going to be any events. Um, well, I, I can say there's certainly not going to be any triathlon events in the UK um, uh, before July. Um, the current status from British triathlon is that um, they're not permitting any events. Um, um, so not issuing any event permits for any events um, before the uh, end of June, uh, until after the end of June sort of thing. So um, interesting one there. There's not going to be any events racing up at the moment. So that, you know, a good, um, you know, at least a good six weeks away from any events. But yet people are still training as if there is going to be an event the minute that um, that date comes. Um, so I think really using a bit of common sense to sort of kind of go let's and, and it's difficult because some people have like some people have reacted by kind of going oh well you know um there's no events but i enjoy the training 
great, let's just focus on uh, staying fit and healthy, but other people have almost having that event taken away they were meant to do, kind of almost struggling a little bit, and you know that's perfectly fine. Um, you're struggling with that, that you know people feel like they've had that um, so, something quite dear to them taken away, um, and you know fully understand that. But how you react to that is, you know, it's important that you don't use that frustration and almost take it out by tra- training as if the event was going to happen. Anyway, you know, now is not the time really, particularly when there's a nasty virus going around to start like really smashing your body to bits um, and doing excessive training, particularly if you're training for some of the longer stuff, um, you know, but again, exercise intensity, um, too much intensity, too much volume uh, is, is not the ideal thing to do now uh, at this moment in time, as far as, you know, that's my advice anyway, sort of thing. But the events, you know, they will come back, but you know what, there's gonna be plenty of time to sort of focus on um, preparing for those events, becoming stronger, becoming better um, at um, um, you know getting the fitness up, getting the race preparation ready. Um, you know, there's going to be plenty of time for that sort of thing. So a good thing to focus on now is staying fit and healthy, getting the diet right, getting plenty plenty of sleep and recovery like that, and enjoying maybe an opportunity to get a little bit more consistency in your training. But do be mindful. I'm going to talk a little bit in a bit about training intensity, um, but making sure that you you know you do sort of um, be sensible with your training is basically what I'm saying. Um, so now you know there's no events necessarily on the horizon, um, but a great thing to do would be you know start building your base um, or extend your building base. So quite a few of you have probably spent all winter training doing that low intensity, longer mileage stuff, um, you know, building that aerobic base that we talk about all the time. Um, you know, just do some more of that. You know, build an even bigger base, all right? Talking of building bases, um, I've, I've been building a, a concrete base this morning. I've, uh, I've uh, borrowed uh, around about 11 tonnes of concrete around the back. Slightly different type of base. Um, but that's been a great bit of exercise for me. Um, so think about building... You know, continuing building that aerobic base. That aerobic base is the foundation of your um, endurance fitness um, and your fitness in general. You know, so low intensity aerobic exercise. Now is the perfect time to do that. Um, you know, but also, you know, as well as you know, doing that. You know, there's time to obviously make yourself a little bit stronger. You know, building some. One thing I've certainly done, and we've been doing it for the tribe, um, is. Doing some on, I've been doing some online um, strength and agility classes. It's been fantastic. You know, um, everyone seems to enjoy it. Um, Beverly's been getting involved with it and uh, coming up with some really funky exercises for people to do. But you know, it's a chance to build in that strength and conditioning, develop your agility, build on those ABCs, the agility, balance, and coordination, which are sort of the real key foundations or fundamentals of of athletic performance. Um, and you know, enjoy the process. You know, I'm doing a bit of that. I'm feeling stronger. I'm feeling lighter. I'm feeling stronger. Um, but I've not done anything too intense. It's just about actually. I've now got time to build that into my routine. So, um, you know, certainly, again, focus on that base building. Ta- great time to incorporate some strength training and agility and balance coordination type training into your uh, into your routine. Um, but also. I'm going to throw this out there. Good chance to experiment a little bit. Now, I don't mean this is like experimenting. Obviously, you've got to be careful if you're doing any sort of experiments. But 
if you've got that little bit of extra time um, and and breathing space, why not try something that's going to help you? Try experiment with something that's going to or or practice something that's going to help you uh, when it does when the races do come back. So again, now might be a great time under no pressure at all to practice transitions. You know, become better and slicker at transi- transitions. So experiment with your transitions. Um, you know, um, but also other things that can help you on race day. So one of the things we did within the tribe, and we um, had quite a number of people online on Zoom um, on the turbo session on Monday night. Now it was quite an intense session because what we did was we did a sweat test. So I say intense session. It was kind of getting people to sort of think about um, spending a bit of time training at their race intensity. It was nothing scientific, nothing too um, too crazy. But what we did was we got we did a turbo set. Um, but as part of that, um, people did a sweat test. Um, we've got full details of that online. If um, if you remember the tribe, will um, that's on the uh, on the on the uh, training hub. If um, but it's a great thing to do to work out. So those athletes we had on Monday night, what they did was um, they did this little test, um, which looked at how much um, fluid they lose um, over um, like a fixed period of time, so like an hour or. You, know, you can do it over two hours if you want, depending on how you're feeling. But we look at how much fluid they lose versus how much they consume, and just gives us a rough idea. Like, say, not too scientific. You know, we're not in a climate chamber. We're not fully replicating, say, the conditions in Lanzarote for the next Ironman that we're doing or half Ironman we're doing out there. But it just gives you stats, give you an indication how much fluid you're losing um, during that period of time at that kind of intensity on the bike. Now, what was quite interesting with the group was we did this uh, exercise and there was quite a few people who were quite quite surprised how much they did lose. There were clearly people who, who sweat quite a lot um, and um, tend to, uh, you know, um, they kind of know that they sweat a lot, but they were, some of them were quite surprised how much they did lose. Um, it was far greater than that. So they, they found that some people found that, you know, they, they were losing almost a, um, a litre a fluid an hour and some people even more than that they were losing uh, more than a litre of fluid per hour now if you think about that come race day that's a lot of fluid to be drinking to make it to, to remain hydrated um, so it certainly would form part of your uh, race strategy now on the flip side of it though there's some people who found actually it was lower than they expected um, now that was interesting when we were sort of discussing it and one uh, of our uh, tribe members in particular contacted me afterwards uh, via messenger and was sort of saying you know they had experienced in the previous Ironman events where um, by the, they'd been drinking a certain amount of fluid that they thought they needed um, during the bike leg but by the time they got off um, the bike on the run they were stopping every two minutes or even to the point where they got to one point where they weren't even bothering to stop to have a wee on the um, on the run so obviously it could be you know other other factors at play but straight away this individual was very very surprised how little um um sweat they actually lost so fluid they lost through sweating um during that sweat test and um um so it started getting them thinking about the process of going actually do i need to consume am i consuming too much because you know particularly in ironman events consuming too much can be almost as dangerous as not consuming enough uh, sort of thing so you know there is uh, hyponutremia which is uh, quite a, uh, a dangerous situation to get into is the complete opposite to dehydration it's where you become overhydrated. so again you know that as an example uh, and we'll, maybe we may even do a podcast about doing sweat tests and see if we can get some sweat experts on um, but it is a very um, 
and a great example of something you could do at this time. You've got if you've got the time and you're not training for anything specific like a certain event. Now's the time you could do these sort of things and sort of start gathering a little bit of data. You know, how much do I sweat? Um, and you know, um, again, we talked on one of the previous podcasts um, about you know monitoring your health. Um, you know, gathering all this sort of data and, and trying to find those baselines of of what is your normality. From that, you can then experiment. So, um, you know, you can actually, um, you know, again, using the example of the sweat test, you know that, you know, that's what you need. You can actually then do some turbo sessions or even some training out on the road. Um, now that the restrictions are lifted, to actually try and, you know, say, right, what does happen if I, you know, I, I target that specific amount of um, of fluid that I've worked out from the um, from the sweat test. In the example, the person who was potentially consuming too much and needing to urinate a lot, doing a great brick, a brick session to try and re-simulate that situation, you know, a great chance to experiment and work out um, what is the right amount and, you know, does it stop them needing a wee every two minutes on the uh, on the run? sort of thing so you know i have a little phrase that i use quite a bit um so now's a great time to um gather some insight all right this is a, a phrase i uh, used uh, in a presentation i once did when i was working for british Strathlaw. um that you know uh insight gather insight so gather some data gather some information like again using the sweat test example it could be like how um you know how much sleep you're getting, how much quality, what the quality of that sleep you're getting. Start gathering these bits of data and this insight into your physiology and how your lifestyle um, is at the moment. Now, once you've got that insight of what your current situation is, you can then move on to the next eye. So it's three eyes. This so it's insight. You can then start to innovate a little bit. Um, so you can start innovating with what your uh, you know again going back to the sweat test example, innovating with. Hydration, different hydration products. You know how does that affect you? Um, you know how, how much you're drinking. You know playing around with that. You know again heart rate, HRV, sleep, all these things, stress measurements, um, and things like that. You can start having a real sort of play around. Start innovating. Start. We we used the phrase a couple of um, episodes back about biohacking. Now's a great time to start doing that. Start gathering that insight start innovating you know i like to think as you know every each one of us as a human being just being on this planet we're one big experiment all right so start taking hold of that experiment your own personal experiment and start um and start innovating start experimenting and innovating and seeing what difference you can make you know and i've been doing that and again that's why i'm lighter that's why i'm feeling stronger um, off the back of that, my mood's a lot better because I'm not carrying as many pounds and things like that. So, you know, um, I've certainly found that this little bit of focus, this little bit of innovation that I've done in my lifestyle is certainly helping me uh, uh, feel better, perform better, whether that's just in day-to-day -day life um, or, uh, you know, um, maybe one day when we all get back to it, I may take on an event. I have got an event in mind, but more on that on another episode. Um, so... Let's grab the insight. Let's let's do the uh, innovation. But then the next thing is the final part of the third eye is what I like to call ignite. All right. So hopefully, and normally in a performance setting, this would be an event or launching some sort of uh, um, project or something like that. But you know, again, hopefully, 
if we've done that, grab that insight, we've done that innovation with our uh, lifestyle and performance, at some point we're going to be able to ignite that. We're going to absolutely take that into that race scenario. Might not be this year, might be next year, like that. But by the time it comes, the hard work's done. You've gathered that insight, you've done the innovation, and then it's just a case of come race day, lighting that touch paper, hence the... Um, the, uh, the ignite bit and again when I did my presentation on this um, there was a big picture of a rocket taking off sort of thing so that's just my philosophy on it sort of thing this is how you know my how I'm spending my time um, you know um, it's a great chance to sort of play around with these things and try and work out what works best for you again what works for you might not necessarily work for me we're our, all individuals and again I can't stress that enough um, you know, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of people saying do this, do that, right? I'm not saying do this, do that, I'm just saying here's some ideas, have a go at it, but ultimately it's individualist, it's very, very individual. Um, and it, and it, it's your train set, you're your own, you know, you've got this wonderful thing called a body, right? Uh, as one of my favourite songs says, it's the best instrument you'll ever own, like that. Don't be scared to use it, alright? Don't be scared to experiment with it and see what it can do, alright? So um, that's a little bit of my thoughts on this current period in time. So um, I want to uh, don't want to bore you too long with that because um, I know I do ramble on. Um, one of the things we want to talk about now is a little bit about training intensity. Now this is just sharing with you a little bit of um, something that we've been uh, doing for quite a while now um, at Evolve Endurance, um, and uh, something that um, again it's accessible through the tribe. Um, we have a little. Um, graphic that we uh, have come up with um, what or what we like to call our exercise intensity matrix um, now the reason we put this together is um, around uh, uh, helping our athletes think about how they set their intensity of the events and, and also helping them giving them a little bit of a guide of how that will actually um, um, you know what that relates to, you know, um, it's one thing saying, you know, um, you're going to go at this intensity, but actually what effects that having and giving, as well as giving a, a sort of visual representation, uh, which obviously uh, we can't share through the medium of a podcast, but um, also giving a little bit of an analogy, some analogies, which I'm going to take you through now, and these might make you laugh. Anyone who trains with me regularly will be laughing because, or, or groaning because they hear me bang about these all the time. But just to get you thinking about how you're setting your intensity, I've already sort of talked about now is the time for building your base. So we're looking at that low aerobic training. Um, so maybe longer, slightly more volume. Um, so longer runs, longer bike rides, but at a lower intensity. Um, so, you know, again, when we do that, sometimes, you know, I hate it quite often that people are... Uh, sometimes other coaches saying, um, oh, they don't get it, they don't understand it, you know, um, they're always sort of saying, don't see the benefit of it. Well, part of this was to help people understand the benefits of doing these different types of training and also, but also to understand potentially the perils of doing too much of one versus not enough of another sort of thing. So again, um, we'll put a link through to the tribe. So if you want to get on board and have a look and uh, download the uh, intensity matrix, um, it's available to all our athletes. Um, it's something we're particularly proud of because um you know um we've sort of like put it together again it's a very rough generalization but it does help people understand the sort of what they're actually doing when they're actually training that and how how different 
ways of setting intensity linked together as well. So um, as part of it, we have you know our very the very sort of basic um, um, ways of setting intensity. So you know that classic easy, moderate, hard. That's nothing new. Um, it's been around for years, um, but it's super super simplistic. Um, but we show how easy, moderate, and hard, and we like to put it into a traffic light system. So green, amber, red how that sort of ties in with something a little, maybe a little bit more scientific like heart rate as a rough guide um, but also things like um, you know the rate of perceived effort scale now the most common rate of perceived effort scale this is where you as an individual would choose how to uh, set the you know you, you decide that right I'm running at the moment and I'm running at a, a 7 out of 10 alright but that's your own perceived effort um, Scale of one to ten, absolutely brilliant. Um, but there is another scale called the Borg scale, which um, uh, I think it was Gunter Borg who come up with that one. It's a slightly more in-depth um, way of uh, setting uh, or rate, rate of perceived exertion, um, and that actually goes from six to twenty. Um, I'm not going to talk about that too much now, but you can sort of research it online. But it's a great little system. It just gives you a little bit more um, scope, and it has a little bit of a um, sort of descriptors at certain points to say whether that's moderate, hard, very hard, things like that, or very light. Um, but again, that does tie in nicely um, with a little bit of um, stuff to do with heart rate. Now, again, we're all individuals, so it's all a little bit varied, but it, it, this uh, matrix that we've developed is really more about um, allowing you to see a rough cor correlation uh, to the different ways of setting intensity. Um, now, um, also linked to it, in it as well, we sort of talk about the different training zones and how um, they actually um, can, uh, you know, ultimately what fuel source you're recruiting. Now, as a lot of people seem to be very sort of like, you know, think it's, it's, it's very, you're either burning fat, you're either burning sugar, uh, or you're burning enzymes, you know, using creatine phosphate. Um, doesn't quite work like that. There tends to be quite a bit of overlap, and again, how that overlap works is very individualized. Um, so, again, we, we've drawn it out on the uh, on the matrix just to sort of show a rough generalization of how that works. Now, um, also linked to that a little bit about you know if you if you are doing a lot of hard training, you're training that in that hard zone, you've kind of like done a really tense hard maybe sprint set and really sort of depleted um, all the uh, glycogen in your muscles and things like that we've also got a little bit of a guy which has been put together uh, which has been advised by one of our close friends who we're hoping to get on the uh, podcast very soon who's a uh, sports nutritionist a little bit of a guide of what you may want to use as a carb load so a carbohydrate load um, to replenish the muscles after doing that sort of intensity of exercise again a little bit of a generalization but very very useful because there is a tendency for endurance athletes to tend to, to over-consume carbohydrate um, because the body craves it, sort of thing. Um, also linked to that, you know, what actually, what mode of training you're in, what, what you're actually developing. Are you developing aerobic capacity? Are you doing anaerobic capacity? Or are you in that middle ground where we're developing anaerobic and aerobic power? Um, again, they have a little bit of a different effect on each other, which we'll talk about in a minute. But also on the matrix, we've actually got the classic five training zones. Um, that um, so we're showing a correlation there, right from on one side, from hard, easy, moderate, hard, right through to how that all interacts with each other. Again, in a very sort of like loose way, over to the sort of five um, traditional training intensity zones. So something we've developed, something we're very, very sort of proud of. Um, it's taken quite a bit of done um, and stuff, but our key was to sort of show it as very, very 
simplistic view of it all. Now, I'm going to talk about these three training zones, this easy, moderate, and hard, um, and just sort of like talk them in a little bit of some of the analogies that we often use when we're training uh, and doing our sessions. Nothing too in-depth. Um, again, we may go into more deep detail in this in, in other podcasts. But um, So if you think about, a good way to think about this is like a traffic light system. So at the very bottom, we've got the green, and we call green easy. All right, now that doesn't necessarily mean it's just, you know, super super easy some of it might just be kind of just boring onto that moderate intensity but ultimately what we're saying here is this is the intensity where um what we could tend to sometimes refer to low aerobic or um you know zone one zone two um in your traditional training zones now in these zones what we're looking at actually is developing aerobic capacity the ability to sort of like for our body to function and um, use oxygen as a and oxygen and oxidize fat as a primary fuel source now some of you if any of you follow on the math training uh phil maffetone or dr phil maffetone should i say um you know uh, he's been a huge proponent of this for many many years and i've always been a big fan of his and i think it's absolutely um you know great what he's done because a lot of people it's the bit that a lot of people forget you know people get out and they just want to sort of push hard all the time so he's very very keen using his math method of 180 minus your age to determine where your maximum aerobic function heart rate is um, and that does tie in quite well with this obviously depending on your age um, but we're kind of saying here this is kind of you know around about no more than a 7 out of 10 um, effort wise so around about anything up to sort of 70% of your maximum heart rate um, and even sort of maybe suggest people you know want to sit well so comfortably within this uh, as they do and the, the idea of this is again the adaptive process your body it's great for building a stronger heart it's the kind of exercise that low aerobic exercise that endurance exercise that as human beings we're absolutely genetically developed to be good at all right um it's um you know um the actual adaptive process you know you get it helps grow your capillaries makes your heart stronger things like that you know increasing the blood vessels you know your body's ability basically to use this all-day fuel source of um you know using ox oxidizing fat is absolutely a brilliant and it, again can't stress that enough and the great thing is has tends to have a, quite a positive effect on the rest of the training intensity zones um and you know so if you, if you grow your we talk about growing your aerobic base and making that broader base the more the broader the base the more stable um the uh the building sort of thing so think of it as a foundation so if, if you've got a very narrow very small foundation the building's going to be very very unstable and you can't build very high whereas if you build a nice broad base you can build really really high and tall and that's kind of like the sort of traditional thinking on it now the way i like to think about this easy zone these zones one and two um it's a little bit like um and the analogy i use is like a, a light switch a bit like a light switch in your bedroom like that or in your bathroom because uh, we've got some more bathroom things we're going to come on to in a minute so if you think about the light switch in your bathroom um ultimately if you've paid your fuel bill all right your electric bill uh, in your house you can just anytime you want you can turn that on you can turn it off you can leave it all day long all right you can leave it on if you want all right obviously burns more fuel and um, your fuel bill will go up but the idea being is you know in the human body as long as we've taken on the right amount of um, energy 
from food and we're hydrated correctly like that this low aerobic energy system pretty much is like your all day energy system so if you're doing long stuff like Ironman and things like that it's kind of like the energy system you're going to be hoping to work predominantly in uh, you're going to be sort of like you know marathons even sort of half marathons you're going to be sort of like 99% aerobic um, so you know it is it, really important so but it will go all day you know it's something that and you can turn it on and off you don't need much rest you could stop for a few minutes you can go again it's there it's ready to go and that's why we use the light switch analogy uh, in our training sessions um bit of a guide it's that sort of pace when you know you run like you're fully in control of your breathing you can hold a conversation all right that's the classic way of sort of determining this sort of intensity um so again a little bit of a light switch you know no problem at all um you can uh, it'll it'll stay it it'll stay on all day if you need it sort of thing obviously in the real world there's always a always a bit of a limit um but that's just a rough analogy for us that we use now above that we've got the moderate zone so if you think about the traffic light we've gone from green we're going up to amber now this is an interesting zone this this is where we're just up in what some people often refer to as like tempo or threshold and stuff like that there's a lot of sort of stuff that's banded around um, these sort of terms where you're working sort of, they always say harder, but you know, you're still in control. And you know, this is the point where you're starting to sort of, you know, predominantly start using, um, you know, um, you can start burning glycogen or, you know, glycogen stored in your muscles and your liver. Um, so you start burning those fuel stores, those slightly limited fuel stores, because um, we can only store enough glycogen and, um, um, and uh, in, our, in our muscles and liver really for around about sort of 90 to two hours worth of exercise 90 minutes tends to be the sort of uh, rough average again it's individual to each individual so um there's a little bit of a limit on this fuel source for this kind of intensity um so again you might find for shorter events um you might use this a little bit more um but we tend to think of this a bit like your bathroom fan bit of a weird analogy this one um the third one's even weirder, just to warn you. Um, so, you imagine your bathroom fan. You've got this um, fan. You turn on your light like that. You go into your bathroom. Your fan comes on like that. But after a period of time, it turns off. All right. So there's a limit. All right, to its operating time. All right. Uh, and this is why we use use this analogy, um, bathroom analogy, is because you know that fan will go off at some point even if you turn the light off um you know at some point that that is, is going to stop all right and it'll need to refuel all right so because we're burning glycogen um you know the classic one is people call it bonking hitting the wall whatever you want to call it like that um where we just feel completely drained um you know bonking is is you know we've all done it where we feel absolutely and we need to put sugar into our bodies to uh to, to re-kickstart it so there's a limit to this energy system we can go a decent amount of time with it but it will um sort of kick out now one this moderate zone is quite an interesting one because this is sometimes and um referred to as like the black hole of training because it tends to be where a lot of people fall um so we're going to talk about the hard in a minute the red tr of the traffic light in a minute but this middle ground tends to where everyone t tends to go because a lot of people tend to train for around about an hour you know tops like that or maybe a little bit longer and because they've got the energy to do that the kind of desire sometimes is to people seem to want to go out and just completely deplete you know go out and feel great afterwards and get that endorphin buzz and really sort of train really hard 
Um, but actually, doing a lot of training like this, and, and in some cases, some people train like this all the time. They're constantly training in this moderate zone, um, which the top end of it is just bordering hard. So they tend to be more towards the top end of the moderate zone, from what I've seen. Um, the risk there is that actually it's, it's a great way to sort of burn out and create fatigue. It's quite a stressful thing to do. It puts the heart under quite a lot of pressure um, a lot of time. And particularly if you've got other stresses in your life and you're not getting enough sleep and things like that and proper recovery, um, this can often lead to quite sort of... Um, just so there is a place for this amount of training, but this is kind of like the what I often uh, talk to people is that this is the training we do just in the lead up to an event. This is the... You know, when we're doing a little bit of race preparation, race training, maybe a little bit of sharpening uh, of things up um, to get ourselves, um, you know, race ready, uh, depending obviously depending on the event. Um, so, um, again, we use that bathroom fan. There is a limit to the energy system there like that. Again, you might get a good couple of hours out of it, but if you've not been adding more power in, more, more energy... Um, it will uh, it will very quickly run out, sort of thing, and that's the bonk sort of thing. So we've got the light switch, turn it on all day long, which is nice. The AC zone, we've got the moderate zone, which is the bathroom fan, which has a limited capacity and limited time that it'll work for. Um, the final one is the hard, which is the red of the um, um, of the uh, traffic light. Now with that one, this is when we're going, you know, something of something rare about probably looking at around ninety to hundred. 100 or 100 plus i know some people don't like the thing of 110 percent um but you know it, it anything between sort of like 90 percent and up to maximal of our uh, um training zone so w with this zone this is where we're working really really hard and it has a really really limited capacity um to function um so this is kind of like we often talk about doing some sprint training. I'm a huge fan of that. I'm going to do some do a podcast on that at some point. Um, so I'm a big fan of what some people often refer to as polarized training. Um, again, Dr. Phil Maffetone has been a big proponent of this, predominantly focusing maybe uh, use the 80-20 rule, 80% of the time in that easy, that low aerobic zone or math zone. Um, and then doing around about 20% high intensity sort of thing. And when we talk high intensity, we're talking 90% or above, short efforts, short sprints, just to sharpen up. Um, also has a great adaptive effect, but we're talking really, really short efforts. We're talking, you know, short 100 meter sprints, 20, 30 second sprints, really, really sort of like tuning that real sort of top end uh, of the uh, system so you know we're growing that base but then we're also trying to drag it up by pulling at the top again there is place for that moderate again but um the sprint zone is something that a lot of people tend to um abandon a little bit now the great thing about it is um some of the things that happen during that sort of training if you get it right and you don't overdo it again it's it's, it's that kind of training where you're going to go hard for a very short period of time give yourself a lot of recovery Again, on the intensity matrix, we talk about how much you need at least 60 seconds rest um, as part of this, um, after this, but more like you need three or four minutes, genuinely, all right? The idea is a short burst of activity, whether that's sprint, um, you know, run sprinting, sprinting in the pool, real short burst of energy, probably less than 30 seconds, followed by a significant period of rest and recovery and passive rest and recovery so you're not actually doing anything you're actually resting now as coaches we don't it's quite difficult to have people sat around doing nothing um but it's it's very very vital for this um now my analogy for this one going back to the bathroom 
is, and this is my favourite analogy, and I told you it'd be a bit weird, it's the toilet system. All right, so imagine your toilet at home. Um, you go for a flush, you flush the toilet, you get a massive surge of power and energy for um, a very brief period of time, maybe 30 seconds. Now, once that burst of energy is over and done with, if you went to flush the toilet again, so lo and behold, there'd be nothing there. We've all done it. We're trying to go for a second flush. Toilet talk creeping in here to my podcast. Didn't take long, did it? Um, we're going for a second flush um, and there's nothing there. And we keep pushing the handle down. There's absolutely nothing there. Now, what happens is the system of that toilet starts to fill back up. All right. Now, interesting, after about a minute, it'll probably be around 75, 80% full. All right. And you might get a reasonable flush out of that. Uh, sort of like a, a not as powerful, but a, a sort of okay second flush out of that. But actually, if we want to get that same performance that we had in the previous flush, we need to wait until the system's fully full. Now, in this energy system, that's a good three to four minutes. All right. So, again, big, powerful flush. Allow the system to fill back up. So that long recovery period like that. And then we get an equal flush. So, often see the problem people have with this kind of training is they don't give themselves enough rest and recovery. They go hard for that short burst of period of time, but then they try and go too hard afterwards. And I see it a lot in the swimming pool, um, you know, where, again, necessarily coaches or swimmers don't like to be loitering at the end of the pool, having long extended rest, you get a little bit cold. But actually, if you want to maximise that next effort and get the most out of it and get all that benefit of, you know, these adaptive, you know, the release of human growth hormones and make your muscles stronger like that, you need to make sure you get the adequate recovery. So the, you know, if you're doing 10 times, um, 25 meter sprints in the pool, for example, or, you know, 10 times, hundred meter sprints down the athletics track, you know, the key to it is that if you want, you know, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, and so on rep to be as good as the first one you've got to let that energy system recuperate correctly and it's about giving it that decent amount of rest um interesting one with this one is the there will come a point if you're doing this kind of training where you start to feel like your form's failing you know fatigue setting and you're not recovering as quick as you should do sort of thing so again that's high intensity training we always say if you feel your form failing or you feel um, like you're uh, not getting the uh, um, you know, you're not the, you're not recovering too quickly enough, or your times are slowing. Is that we say it's a big time to sort of that's it, just um, end the session. So again, another problem with that is people think right, I've got ten times one hundred on the plan. I'm going to do ten times one hundred, but you know, if you get seven or eight, or maybe even as low as six, and you're not feeling it, and the times are slipping, your form's failing, um, and you're struggling to recover, it's time to end the session, sort of thing. So those are kind of the three sort of zones we're talking that's a little bit of a, an overview of easy moderate and hard from my perspective um again with those analogies of the light switch which will you can turn on off all day long and as long as you pay the fuel bill it's already there the bathroom fan which will go for a good period of time but has a limited capacity through to the toilet flush which has a short burst of energy um powerful energy but then needs a significant recovery to allow that system to fill back up um so how you use those, obviously, you know, again, we're talking about this period of time now. It's great to do some base building. So, you know, spending a lot of time in that easy zone, you know, that, you know, around about um, anything up to 70% of your maximum heart rate, going out for longer runs. You know, you probably want to be going out 
for a good good period of time so you get the benefit you know an hour hour and a half nice long steady runs but keeping that the trick the the, the challenge is keeping that intensity low all right because if you if what we often find is people start creeping up so really using something like that heart rate or um, again judging it by your effort level you know your own RPE keeping it below that 7 out of 10 keeping it easy and what really gets people with this kind of training is people struggle to realise that you should come back off even a 90 minute run and actually feel like you could have carried on alright again getting out of this mindset of Right, I've got. I'm going to train for an hour, so therefore, by the end of that hour, or by the end of that 90 minutes, whatever it might be, I've got to be completely spent to have got a benefit from it. It's not the case with this kind of training. All right, spending time, um, developing that aerobic base, super relaxed, relaxed runs. In some cases, for some people, it might even be a walk. Might be their. Uh, aerobic intensity that's fine i know when i go running at this intensity i'm around about 10 minute miles i can run faster than that you know if i push it but i know that if i'm going to go um and, and benefit from this build, aerobic base building i need to keep it nice and low not be not be worried about the pace all right now the great thing is i look at my heart rate i know around about where i want it to be um to be in this intensity and what i do i gradually see over time even though my heart rate is staying the same, my pace just gradually increases. And I'm getting, I can, or I can hold that 10 minute miles for longer. All right, so you still see the benefit of it. All right, again, this time, this time at the moment, COVID 19, if you do occasionally want to throw, you know, an occasional sprint session in, no more than once a week, you know, we're sort of telling our gang that, you know, yep, get down the track and, uh, or get down the local park if you can, or even if it's just a case of standing on the spot and sprinting on the spot. Um, for 30 seconds like that's a great way not only to sort of like sharpen that top end and, and develop that sort of kickstart that um, adaptation of um, you know the, say that release of human growth hormone and other um, um, uh, great benefits from it um, you know it's also a great way to develop your running form is sprinting so um, you know we're a huge fan of that again we'll do more on that in another podcast now what I would say is this time at the moment really not really necessarily the time to spend too much time in that middle moderate zone all right again the biggest thing that I see is that a lot of people spend pretty much predominantly most of their time in there you know again it's that classic I've only got a fixed period of time uh, I'm gonna go um, I'm, I'm gonna go as hard as I can uh, for that period of time so you know don't um, I'm not saying don't spend time in that zone what I'm saying is just be mindful of how much time you are spending in that moderate zone. Try and keep it easier for the bulk of the time. Chuck in some occasional sprints uh, would be my advice. Again, you, as I said at the start of this podcast, you're your own experiment, so it's entirely up to you how much um, time and effort, you know, how you want to do that. Play around with it. You might be quite surprised if you're not someone who's done low aerobic train, a lot of low aerobic training and really backed it off might be quite surprised at the results you get it can be quite frustrating at the start but actually once you get into it it's quite surprising it become quite enjoyable uh, coming back off a run feeling great feeling like you could have run another three or four miles um quite comfortably but knowing that you're actually getting a great physical benefit from it and you'll probably see um in time that actually um you'll see the benefits of that you'll be able to run further faster at lower heart rates 
and that's a great indication of great endurance ability um, and again your sprinting might improve which will improve your running form um, I'm you know a uh, uh, one of my huge fans of um, um, one of my sort of let's say my, huge, my I'm a huge fan of should I say um, or one of my coaching heroes uh, Sam Mussabini um, he was very much said that and he said this over a hundred years ago uh, for those who don't know Sam Mussabini was the coach depicted on um, Chariots of Fire uh, he was a real individual who coached Harold Abrahams to the gold medal at the uh, 1927 Olympics um, and he uh, sorry 1924 Olympics get it right um, and he um, was very much um, he said that you know um, to be good at the endurance disciplines you must master the art of sprinting first and he was talking about developing good running form sort of thing so develop that aerobic base do some sprinting don't, doesn't have to be hard doesn't have to be flat out but it's just about developing good form and just getting those adaptive benefits of it it's a great way to train so um, I'm going to leave it there um, we're uh, a good hour into this podcast sort of thing um, those who are in the tribe I'll be sharing the uh, in- intensity matrix again and giving you a link so you can go download that um, now um, obviously if you're listening to this podcast and you're not part of the tribe um, that is just um, a uh, online training group we've got an exclusive Facebook group that you can be part of um, you can uh, um, you also get uh, once you sign up, you can actually get um, links. Um, you, you will get uh, invited also to the back end of our website, which has got a whole raft of resources on it. Loads of training sessions, things like the training intensity matrix. We're also putting a lot of articles on there about how to use this, how to do things like you know use HRV and things like that. So um, we're building this huge database of um, of resources for you to basically. The ultimate goal is to provide you with everything you possibly need to live a great endurance life. So have better health through an endurance lifestyle, which will in time lead to better performance. And again, I can't reiterate enough whether that performance is about hitting the race course for a triathlon, open water swimming event or whatever, or a run uh, in the peak condition or being the best version you can be for that, or whether it's just about being better at work, being better for your your family, um, um, just in day-to-day life. So we're going to sign off now, and uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, next week. Uh, We're going to hopefully get some guests on. Uh, We're going to maybe, for those who are watching live in the tribe, we're going to be... uh, we're going to be uh, recording some of those maybe over the next few days, so you might actually get to see them even sooner than when we actually release them to the uh, the wider world. So that's it for uh, this episode. Um, it's been great chatting to you, and we'll uh, hopefully see you again soon. Take care.